You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. Heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out old trouble on drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, the world's greatest producer, Kelly Whitworth, is in the studio with us. You turned up this week, Kelly. It's all a bit strange as we are, isn't it? Oh, We've got the these new bloody technology. funny, funny headsets yeah, on. Yeah. We've got these funny headsets on. Now I'm talking to myself. What are you doing to me, Kelly? <laughs> I can hear myself in, the, in, my, in this crap. I know, it's all a bit strange, but we're all online and... So, and we've got uh, a guest as well on the yeah, telephone. Yeah, I assume poor Bevan. 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 Poor Bevan will be rolling in Murph. How are you, Bevan? Good, thanks. Yes, I've got headphones on too. Have you? Uh, no, these these aren't headphones. These are headphones and they've got little microphones. And We look like uh, operators, you know, old school <laughs> operators. We've got yeah. a massive construction works going on next door to the radio station. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and, and we've got these used condoms on the bloody bike. It's just, I mean, obviously you've been, uh, how shall I put it, I think you and a few other malcontents, you were responsible for this radio station, weren't you? Yeah, yes, um, I guess so. Um, I mean, I was going through the th- I was I was just going through the three CR book that Juliet Fox right. yes, wrote, yes, and uh, yes. I never read the first few pages. I should have, Bevan. <laughs> it was all about all the uh, effort and energy you and the other crew put into getting this station off the air on the air. I should say. Well, this is a special for me because this is the first time since nineteen seventy eight that I've been allowed to speak on air, directly on air on 3CR, I've been banned for 45 years. Um, um, well, you're on the right show to, to make your yeah. re-entry, I would say. Yes, oh, that's it's great. I mean, I'm allowed to do recorded programs, but the ban is theoretically, no one knows about it, but theoretically, 
Look, 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 look. Someone put you on the list, so you must have been vetted. <laughs> look, Bev, oh, yeah, when I first started at 3CR in 77, we had to pre-record, then people would listen to it, and then they'd put it on air. Uh, but this is live. This is live. This is great. This is great. Yeah, yeah. well, look, um, it's wonderful to be speaking on a station which had the germ of an idea in 1974 in the corridor of the Collingwood Tech um, uh, between myself and Herman Sopransky. Mm-hmm. It was after the release of the McCallum Report by the Whitlam government, which opened up the airwaves to public broadcasting. And this idea came up in the conversation. Perhaps Melbourne could have its own community radio station. Oh, blame yeah. me. Blame yeah. me. It's pretty satisfactory for me. What well, <laughs> is? And, 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 I'm, I'm talking on it. It'll be 47 years later, and uh, it is still going strong. Well, your kitty, your kitty, 3CR, is going strong and is about to become a grandparent. (laughs) 50 years is around the corner, so you've done well. You've done well. The one thing that 3CR has to um, teach um, organisations, all those looking to make change in the community... The one thing that's important about 3CR is its independence. And that independence came about because we said from the word go, we'll do it all ourselves. We'll do it all ourselves. And for something like nearly 50 years now, volunteers have Mm. kept that station going. That's right. Paid staff, and they're great, but the um, volunteers have kept it going. It's never relied on the government for its um, sustenance. And um, I can remember when we first started off, there was another group that was an ethnic communities group that wanted to have an ethnic community station. It turned out to be four triple Z. And they said, we deserve the government funding and the transmitters and the um, studios to be given to us. We deserve it. We've been um, denied access to the media. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what they set out to do. After one year... Government didn't like what they were saying and pulled the rug from under their feet. Four triple star that only lasted one year. Now, 3CR, because of its independent approach and its enormous amount of wonderful volunteers, is still going and going strong. Well, that's right, Bev, and everybody knows the old saying he who pays the piper calls the tune. Absolutely. And and that's. uh, Now, you were the first secretary, weren't you? That's mm. correct. Mm. And um, we, it was a very big campaign. It came out of the Vietnam War area, really, because well, it, came, it came about because of the McClellan Report and the Whitlam government, but um, the need for it was recognised going back into the, Whitman, into the Vietnam War period when we couldn't get into the media, you couldn't get radio stations to listen to our message. Um, TV certainly didn't. Um, only televised protest meetings, which were violent. Um and so even the printing houses around Melbourne wouldn't take our leaflets. We had to learn to print. Mm-hmm. So when the opportunity arose that maybe we could have a community station speaking independently for all those denied access to the media, which was the catch cry, um, then it got support. People came around and, and helped to, um, first of all, to get the licence. That was a big campaign. And then to build the station and to... Uh, build the transmitters and the, the, the uh, transmitter hut and the studios 
It's done by brick by brick down at Cromwell Street before that at Armadale. And, um, of course, now you've got to be very lucky to have very good premises there at Cromwell, at, um, in, in, in Smith Street. Um, that's it's wonderful. I was down there the other day talking to Juliet. All but, right. Um, yeah, it was a big, was a major effort, mm. but it was teamwork and 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 a mass mass support and teamwork, um, which produced 3CR. That's um, all I can say, and something we all be proud of. And mm. I'm proud that it's still going strong. Now, now, Bevan, now, the producer Kelly's giving me a hard time. She says, uh, "What's going on behind you? You're in a cafe or something, mate." Oh, can you hear something behind me? Yep, yep. <laughs> There's some clashing plates like someone's in the kitchen. Oh. Hey, I'm just asking my wife to, to be careful there. Sorry about that. Well, uh, hopefully she doesn't fly any, throw any plates at you, asking you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're hearing the plates behind you. But you're trying to do this, Samantha. Uh, I don't know, I couldn't... I could go. Anyway, let me go into the future. Yeah, it, it's called it's called live radio. Yeah, no, no. Right. right. I'll, just, I'll just go in. Yeah, just I'll lie down and take a bex, and it'll be all right. Thank you, Bevan. Okay, this will be this will be much quieter here. Now, okay? now, we, now, now, we've introduced you, Bevan. We're going okay. to uh, do a little bit of an orthodox thing. Where were you born? I was born in Northcote, 20, 21 Tanagrove, Northcote. And I've lived half my life in Melbourne and half up here in New South Wales. Uh, what was it? Love the drag you to New South Wales, or uh, the need to earn a living? Well, I got married, and um, my wife didn't like the Melbourne climate, right? And um, because she was a Filipino, mm -hmm. and uh, she was a nurse in Melbourne, and we met there when at the party, and all things went well. We got married, and in 1984, we decided to move. My wife, my my, my mother had died. Father was at a loose end, so we tried to move to New South Wales. He came with us and got out of that that uh, place he was in down there. And um, we, uh, I was a TAFE teacher, so I was able to get a job um, at Newcastle TAFE in 1984. And we, we've lived up here until just recently. We moved down to Sydney to look after a granddaughter. Right. Uh, one of the daughters, uh, she's a single parent and mm -hmm. a lovely little granddaughter who's now nearly four years old. Mm -hmm. And... Um, to help her cope with childcare costs, we look after her three days a week. That's, oh. a, that's a blessing. It's a lovely blessing. Well, that's great. Look, um, look, I understand, Bev, and I feel a bit a bit humbled by this, that you've got an 11-volume ASIO file. Is that correct? Or is that Not exact... quite correct. It's um, <laughs> ten, 10 volumes. Ah, oh, 10 volumes. How many pages uh, in a volume in an ASIO there's file? Nine, nine, nine volumes have... Um, each folio has about 100, 110 pages in it, mm -hmm. and um, the, the 10th one was photographs taken of me speaking at demonstrations or walking down the street with Dr Jim Cairns. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a conundrum, which I don't know where listeners are interested, but why did a closeted Methodist church Sunday school teacher, who's um, even earlier life than that, a religious family, a religious bubble, went to church three, even four times at, uh, on Sunday, come to end up going to jail and spending eight days in jail for contempt of court and have an ASIO file like that. That is a bit of a conundrum, I must admit. Well, I don't know if it's a conundrum. I mean, a lot of people come from different areas. That's why we have Radical Australia, a little chat for about an hour with different mm -hmm. activists. So mm -hmm. you were born in Northcote. Um, where did your parents come from? Were they Australian-born oh. or were they from overseas? 
Mum was Australian-born and Dad emigrated from England mm-hmm. on a $10 passage or something in 1920s. Right. And, um, and uh, got the Irish, Scottish, English and German background in me. Mm-hmm. Um, guess that or conventional type of immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, born in Northcote. Um, and we moved around the eastern suburbs of Melbourne in the early days. Um, Mitcham, um, Ivanhoe, um, Templestowe. Doncaster, um, and uh, then I ended up buying a house in uh, Beaconsfield Parade, Northcote, in my uh, early 30s. Mm. That's something people can't do today, obviously. It's a different world. So, getting back to your early years, now when did all this file business start? What did ASIO take an interest in you? you A church-going, Methodist lad, I assume you went to primary school and high school and uh, yes yes no no issues there you you weren't you weren't beating up the uh, principal or anything Westgarth State School and Box Hill High School right Um, played cricket for the first 11 and Mm. played soccer Mm. um, just all those sort of things um, but um, really my change occurred I made a decision to join the Australian Volunteers Abroad right I think they're called International Volunteers Board now. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1965, 66, I had done five years with the um, telecom as an engineer. It was my cadetship period, and um, I was free to do that. And I went. I was sent to Africa, to Zambia, right. uh, under the ABA scheme. And I worked there as a sort of a junior telecom engineer. But suddenly, this closeted um, church boy eyes were open to the independence movements in Africa, the surge of movements in Africa, the um, scourge of racism. And um, this was all a bit of a shock. Like it had a pretty sheltered life. And I had to try and make sense of all this. And um, uh, I came back to Australia in 1968. And here the Vietnam War was waging and conscription. And um, I fell into bad company. (laughs) <laughs> inverted commas. <laughs> bad a demonstration. <laughs> do you want to do you, do you want to tell us about that first demonstration? Any memories so about I, it? I, I'll tell you about the first first um, political act of mine. Right, a church-going boy, which led to my life of political crime. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, well, you've got to take you got to take a first step. So tell us about this first step. <laughs> the first step was. Uh, after I've gone to a demonstration and met people like Harry Van Morst and people from oh, not people Melbourne like University. That. Oh, yeah, God. And, uh, no wonder you were corrupted. Yeah, you, you were groomed. You were groomed, lad. <laughs> I went to a I went to a film on <laughs> Saturday afternoon. It was Tolstoy's War and Peace. Right. And it was devastating me. The, the dead bodies on the battlefield, and I was thinking of Vietnam at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I came out of that film and I went to the hardware and I bought a tin of white paint and a brush mm-hmm. and um, I went up to a, to a Safeways wall with Doncaster with a nice brick wall facing the public at 11 o'clock at night and I painted this sign which I'll never forget, it's burned into my memory no government has the right to force a man to go to Vietnam and kill some child's father in conscription now now, I must admit it was a pretty long one, longest I ever 
painted up. Well, you know, obvious, and, um, obviously in those days, <laughs> the cops weren't around that area. They were more in the inner ah, city. <laughs> ah, no, 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 not so. What, they were as waiting stepped, for you? As I stepped back to observe my handiwork, <laughs> I got a tap on the shoulder. <laughs> and a bloke says to me, I'm Detective Sergeant Wadabama, did you paint this on the wall? I said, yes, yeah. so I was pretty proud of it. <laughs> He said, well, you're going to accompany me to the Mitcham police station. Um, we're charging you. So, so I, end up, I end up in the magistrate's court at Box Hill and um, he fined me $120 and told me to go and paint, clean the sign off. I never did either. Right. Um, he said, why did you do it? I, so I gave him a little lecture on Vietnam War and conscription. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I'll continue to do this until the war stops and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Anyway, he gave me the fine and told me to go and clean the wall, which I didn't do. But I think some people from the church were there and they might have paid the fine for me, but I, yeah. I wouldn't pay the fine on principle. Mm. So that started me off in a little life of crime, um, political crime. And um, I ended up um, a bloke called Michael Hamill Green, a draftery sister. Yeah. Uh, but he listens to this station. He, was, he and Harry Van Moors were leading lights in the draft resistors movement in those days. He said at a meeting something that really affected me. Michael said, the strongest political weapon anyone possesses is their own life. And I was working in telecom and I went away and I thought about this and I really thought about it hard and I thought, well, why don't I do something really... So I'll, I'll hate myself for the rest of my life. So I resigned from telecom and I went and worked as a volunteer on the moratorium campaign for the next two years. Right. Um, I financed myself from a savings and my payout in telecom, but I got to a, to a pretty low point financially. I found my, I had 20 cents in my pocket, I had nothing in the bank, I had two weeks rent, my car didn't work, um, the combi van didn't work, and I, I hitchhiked over to a great friend at Dalton Wells on Payne, and he said to me some good advice, he said, um, Gavin, you've got to look after yourself now, he said, down the street there's a company that pulls apart um, car boxes for the, and recovers the plywood. Yeah. And if you go down there, you get paid so much for every square metre of plywood you can recover. Mm-hmm. He said, here's some tools I'll loan you. You can stay at our place while you go and do it. Could I get some money in your pocket, which I did. Right. And um, I uh, I did that and then did some delivery with using the van when it was working for TNT, did some deliveries. But, um, yeah, I, I later I saw the opportunity to join TAFE they were looking for technical people from with telecommunications experience. I went to Hawthorne, did the course there, and mm. started teaching at Collingwood Tech, which right. is where the idea of 3CR came up. Yeah, let's go. Let, let's go. Corridor. Let's go back. <laughs> yes, let's go back a step or two. Okay. Now you said you're influenced by draft resistors. Uh, did you take that decision, or we obviously you're of draftable age? I was over the draft age. You were over. Oh. I was over the age. I. Um, when you think, um, I was born in 1939. Oh, yes, you would have been so over. Yep. When I was yeah. in, in, in uh, when Africa, I went there in 65, I was about 25, 26, mm. 27 years of age. Yeah, I was more in the early 30s when I was 29, early 30s in the moratorium mm. time. Yeah, I was out of that age. But I, I was involved in supporting the Draft of Justice Union and go along to their demos. And, right, right. Um, and um, it was Harry Van Wars that taught me how to print mm. on an offset printer because we used to print our leaflets our art because we couldn't get them printed by the 
the commercial people we do our own printing, uh, broadsheets and leaflets. And um, yeah, I became a, a pretty amateurish printer, but a printer for some for a while, mm-hmm. um, as a number of us did. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was my I was influenced by Michael and by Harry right. quite a bit, and their their movements movements around them. Um, and it's a I've been pretty lucky, really, very lucky to experience some important things. I mean, Trisio was only one of them, but well, tell us about particular... tell us about some of the others. Because um, after the Whitlam government was dismissed, the Australian independence movement started up, um, and I was involved with the AIM for a while, doing right. their broadsheets and uh, printing those. Well, you, you weren't uh, responsible. For, you weren't responsible for Blinky Bill, were you? <laughs> we used to use that emblem, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, things changed when I got married. Um, right. Let, let's just let, let, yeah, but um, let's let's go back. Let's go back to the seventies, all right? Because you you were doing a lot of things. Yeah, um, yeah Australian Independence Movement. Uh, yeah. uh, you were teaching at Collingwood <laughs> TAFE. Taught the, at Collingwood, then Preston, then. Um, Footscray, three different tapes before mm. I went to Newcastle tape. Mm. Um, we, at the time, the Telstra and the SEC, when it existed then, were putting their technicians through a certificate course to get a proper qualification. Right. And I was involved um, in, in those colleges in uh, providing certificate for or the associate diploma subjects and uh, involved radio subjects. Of course, that was radio subjects and my knowledge of radio that helped me with 3CR because um, the first 3CR transmitter was purchased from across the road at Collingwood Tafe in an old army disposal store, and it was an ex fire brigade transmitter. Right. And That's uh, right. we bought yeah. it for $200 or something, yeah. and uh, we had to retune it for the frequency we got. But yeah, it was an old fire brigade transmitter that did the original. Um, transmissions, the first ones from Armadale. Yeah, mm. yeah. You'd, be, you'd be surprised that the, the transmitter at Werribee is now surrounded by housing estates. Is yeah. it? Yeah, and 3CR's got prime land to transmit. Yeah. So <laughs> our thing has changed. Yeah, well, we, had a, we had it, of course, beside the Collingwood Town Hall for a while. Yeah. We had a big antenna there yeah. and um, a small transmitter hut, mm. uh, which we built and... Um, Builders Labourers helped us to put the mast up, rightly. Right. And I think the Builders Labourers still have a program on 3CR. Yeah, the Concrete Gang's still concrete going. Concrete Gang, yeah, still not, going. Not the originals, but they're still there and they're still... Good on them, yeah, yeah. yeah they're yeah. still involved. Uh, it's, a different type of, it's a different type of viewing in these days, you know. But, sure. Uh, but uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're still involved, you know, they're still That's involved. That's great. Uh, really some, great. Some of the original uh, affiliates are still there, but... Uh, Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like the heady days of the 1970s when we had about 100. And, was it 120? 120, 100, yeah. 120 affiliates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh... And uh, that was a very, and that's a very important part. I mean, I, I know about. I don't, don't talk to the management committee of 3CR, but mm. maintaining the affiliates is very important. Yeah, um, it's essential. It's it's very essential. important to keep that base. Yeah, it's essential. Um, and the volunteers and the listener subscribers and the, and the oh, radiophone and all that stuff to keep that independence. Do you want to speak to um, the importance a little bit of the um, of the affiliates, Bevan? The affiliates, see, the affiliates, they provided um, uh, called credible backing 
for this station, not just the voices of people who attend a meeting, but quite a credible backing. And also, we promised them um, a program. If they became an affiliate, you could have a chance to have your own program. And that, in those days, a lot, a lot of the trade unions and uh, environment groups and so on, they did make um, take the opportunity and ran a program. It was difficult to do a weekly program. Some did them more fr- infrequently. But um, I know the, um, the pressures of producing a, a weekly program, um, you really got it on your mind all the time. But that was the, the strength of 3CR. It was the voice of, of, of the people, of workers, of environmentalists, of women, um, the women's electoral lobby, the women's liberation movement. There were a number of women's groups um, involved at that stage and uh, tran- tr- trans- public transport groups, um, uh, a wide range of... And, and the music side of it too. And I, I suspect that um, you've still got uh, steam radio going and, yes. and jazz jazz program. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> they're still going. Yeah, I don't like you, music. You lost, lost said... the bloke. You lost uh, lost steam radio bloke a few years ago. Ralph. A big Ralph. Yeah, Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. yeah, Ralph Knight. Yeah. Who yeah. helped with the technical side too. He was yeah. a great bloke. Yeah, he was a great uh, yeah. raconteur. Yeah. Once he caught you in a corner. An hour later, he would disappear, if you're lucky, if he let you go. <laughs> that was Ralph. Yeah, he liked talking. He loved it. Obviously, when you do a music show, there's a lot of periods where you're just hanging around listening. Yes, yes, <laughs> so yes. if he saw you in a corner, he'd grab you. You might have heard about the Community Radio Plus app, but it's only when you start using it that you'll wonder how you lived without it. You can listen to us wherever you are. At home, work, driving, on public transport, gardening, protesting, or even in the bath. Just search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Obviously a bloke who's got 10 volumes, ASIO files, it couldn't all have been about the moratorium and the draft resistance movements. What other things you got involved in that got you into trouble? Um, not necessarily got me into trouble, but got me a file. But see, they, when you talk about those files, a lot of them were minutes of meetings I'd attended where I'd passed a motion. <laughs> you know, got up and spoke and passed a motion. They just had the whole minutes of the meeting. It could have been CICD, yeah. could have been Australia China Society, yeah. you know, or the, the moratorium. Um, they just posted the, all the minutes of stuff in there. I mean, there's lots of crap in there. I mean, one of my last files, um, one of the, well, it only goes up to 81. I got married. One of the last two entries, I think, were 
he's been seen with a Indonesian woman. Oh. Uh, what's that got to do with them? And it wasn't one Indonesian. She was Filipino. And the next item on my file is my marriage certificate. Your marriage certificate. <laughs> I mean, this is the sort of crap that's on the file. You know, it's not all about things that you do. No. It's just that they just, I don't know, uh, grab oh. things about you and so on. It's just unbelievable. Well, and there's so many people who were given ASIO files. And, mm. and it was an intrusion on our, our freedoms, freedom of liberty, the freedom of association mm. and the freedom to speak our minds. Right. which you should have in a democratic society. Right. A terrible intrusion. And the intrusion is still there today. I was going to a meeting just recently where um, Chinese people were speaking about them being intimidated by visits by the police. They've been too friendly towards China yeah. and they're getting visits from the police. Mm. That's going in now. Yes. This intrusion into our daily lives, if the political uh, wind is blowing in a certain direction. Yeah, look, uh, well, look... We've been complaining for a while. The um, West Papua Independence movement on the, on the convener for the their rent collective. They've got now an office for the last eight years in Collins Street, right. and the amount of spying that's carried out on mm. them by Indonesians spies, mm. you know, mm. from the embassy, from the consuls, uh, and the Australian government does nothing about it to protect its citizens. And many of these people are refugees who are now citizens of this country have been here for. Decades, sure. it's just extraordinary. Sure. So, is, is much of the file redacted, or is it? Yes, they do. They well, first of all, they they blank out the person who's made the um, allegation, the uh, report yeah. about you. If they've been reporting on you about doing something, they redact it, knock that out. But there's other parts too that they just blank out. Not too sure what that what that was about. Mm. But um, yeah, I sort of was interested at one stage in seeing what was going on. So, but I found it. It presents a bit of a history of my activity, actually. A bit history than my, I can remember. Oh, that's <laughs> right. We should thank them. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll just keep it, on the, keep it on the computer. Maybe right. my grandchildren might be interested in it one day. And they may be. So going back to when you got to New South Wales in 1984, mm. did you know anybody up there? No, not really. No, it was quite a, a change, but, I mean... You're in amongst the teachers there at TAFE, and then we have our we had our struggles, our, our union struggles. I was president of the local branch there for a while, mm-hmm. and um, in the New South Wales Teachers Federation, and um, we have our struggles. You get together, and there was the peace movement up there, and we had the 2003 big demos and the local peace movement, which I was involved with. Um, my wife, being a nurse, she had all the nursing friends, so you make friends soon enough, and particularly with the interests you've got. Um, but bringing up kids, I wasn't as active as I had been earlier in my life when I had no other responsibilities but myself. Right. Um, but uh, just lately, being retired has given me more opportunity to That's to right. work with IPAN and uh, yeah. the Peaceful Australia Network. So, and, um, so you're not going to die quietly? <laughs> uh, once, once you've got it in your blood, you can't. You've got to be true to yourself. You can't... Uh, right. Lay down when things are like happening in Gaza at the moment, you know. Oh, you just extraordinary, exactly. You can't um, lay down. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. Can I just say a few bits about that? Because um, 
the time I got banned, by the way. Um, hang on, hang there was on. A big what, up, there was a big upheaval in the radio station at 3CR, and you know why it was? It would have been it was because the Palestinian. The 3CR, yeah, 3CR decided, we decided as a committee, mm, mm. to give the Palestinians a voice on the radio, the first radio station in Australia to do so. Yeah. Um, mm. And um, I'm sure 3CR is still giving them a good voice on 3CR. And, um, and, 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 the, so. and, the, and the Zionists are still complaining. And the designers would still be complaining. Yeah. yeah, and they are. They are still putting in reports as I speak uh, about Palestine Remembered, which is uh, oh, one of our regular programs. I yes, was speaking to, yes, yes. I was speaking to the station manager about it. You know. Yeah. yeah well, they it got very, very intense. I mean, in '78, or you probably remember that. That's right. The uh, the terrorist radio. Terrorist radio on the front page of the bulletin. Yeah. With this yeah. full page colour thing with 3CR, 3CR microphone and a hooded person speaking into it. Yeah, it was pretty nasty stuff. Mm. Um, but we weathered the storm and I'm glad that we've still got good Palestinian programs going and never more than they need it now. Um, it's a very dreadful situation appearing over there. Mm. So, so why were you banned? Oh, because um, there was... Well, there was a division in the station. I mean, there were a lot of less political people who wondered why Bevan Ramson, the secretary, and his committee had got them into this trouble um, with this bad publicity. And there was a division in the station. Um, and um, eventually there was a huge meeting at Richmond, at Conwood Town Hall, and uh, very narrowly we were voted out. And I was told not to speak about the subject, I think, but I, I had... Something came up. I had to speak. I felt I had to speak about what the deputies had been doing, and I spoke up. And then they said, "You, you must. That could cause us trouble. You must not speak again, and you're not allowed to go to where again. Uh, only by recorded. So it goes back. Pre-record. Pre-record. Pre-recorded. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to that. But um, that's not important. The no, no, that is important. That is important. Because... So many years. So mm. many years ago. Yeah. The same issue that we've got facing us right now in Gaza, mm. you know, it was still a, a huge issue back in 1978, and yep. that even the station came under terrible pressure from the Zionists over it and their polit political colleagues and the newspapers that support them. And the same thing all happened today, and I'm not surprised that the station has had some, some questions raised about their programs if the Palestinians are talking. Not surprised at all. Um, mm. But... Um, yeah, that's what we do. That's what 3CR should do. It's a voice for those mm. who are denied mm. access to the media. And there's no one who's denied more access, less access to the media than the Palestinian people. Did, did you get involved in uh, community radio in New South Wales? Or? No. Um, there was a, a university station at Newcastle, mm. but it was very tightly controlled. I tried to get a program on once, but they were very, tight, very tightly controlled. And um, I was in certainly in no position to do what happened in Melbourne yes. and try and restart a community station up there. Right. That was an enormous effort, and I was single and had no other other responsibilities, mm. and um, I didn't have the same momentum after the Vietnam War to 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 get everyone together. Um, so I didn't do anything on tried, but I didn't get anywhere on community radio in Newcastle. Right. No. And uh, you said you're with the peace movement. Uh, this is what the the anti um, Iraq invasion movement, or is, is that what you're talking about? Well, that 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 was um, 
That came up, of course, in 2003, mm. and I was involved in Newcastle on the on one of the committees there, and we had a huge demo in in the uh, city park, and then we went down to Sydney, the really big one. Um, but I guess it was 2011 or so where I became much more involved again when the Marines were... When Obama said we're going to station US Marines in Darwin on a regular basis, and the Independent Peaceful Australia Network was born at a conference in Canberra, um, I did join and became a committee member, and I edit their monthly, or produce their monthly um, newsletter, e-publication, and involved with the committee all the time. Where um, the uh, it's uh, you know the, the IPAN, as it's called, is concerned about an independent foreign policy, not doggedly following the Americans into wars like Vietnam and Afghanistan and Iraq, but standing on their own feet an independent and peaceful policy towards countries in our region um, and all around us. And uh, that brings us into conflict with um, a number of government policies, as you might imagine, and we comment on and we have campaigns on. One of them at the moment is the Force Posture Agreement, uh, which probably very few people have ever heard of. Uh, It's between the United States and Australia, signed in 2014, um, following the US Marines in Darwin, been stationed, and it's we're running an e-petition at the moment to Parliament. I've got, we've got about two and a half thousand signatures on it at the moment, calling for the termination of this monstrosity. Well, could you could is, you explain could you explain yeah, to listeners explain this monstrosity? Yeah, yeah. Um, people would not believe that this agreement with America gives them their military unimpeded. I'm using the words in the document: unimpeded access yeah. to our ports and airfields. For their bombers and their, their warships and submarines, unimpeded access to agreed facilities and places, which they then control. For example, a huge fuel dump has been constructed by the Yanks in Darwin, or the East Arm in Darwin, for fueling their, their bombers and their planes. They have a special part being constructed at Tyndall Air Force Base for, for six B-52 bombers. Now, those of us who remember Vietnam War, remember the B-52 bombers were instrumental in, in really devastating from the air, uh, the ground in Vietnam. Well, these B-52s, some are capable of carrying nuclear weapons also. They're being parked, arranged to be parked and maintained at the RAAF Air Force Base under this force posture agreement. It's an operational posture for US military in Australia. Mm. It's a force posture agreement. It's an operational posture. And there's a logistics uh, depot being set up at Bandiana in Victoria, near Wodonga, for, for American logistics, munitions, supplies under their control. Um, there's airfields at Weeper and at Curtin in Western Australia being prepared for them to use, Air runways being lengthened and hardened against attack for their use. All this speaks to me, to IPAN, of preparation of Australia to be used in another war. Oh, that's the right. The Americans are basing themselves um, in, in, in uh, putting, getting themselves established in oh, places right. in Australia and including, and this is the one hard to believe, uh, there's now a combined intelligence facility in Canberra where the US military intelligence and the Australian military intelligence are combined into one intelligence force. So they're embedded in, intel- in the intelligence service. Oh, that's right. So, 
And not only are they embedded in the intelligence service, they're also embedded now in hardware. We have no independent hardware by which to defend ourselves as a country because it's all it's all inter interacts interlinked with interlinked. the with the US military complex and we rely on parts, expertise, computers, the whole work, you know. It's just uh we we've just become an extension of the US armed forces and people don't believe you when you tell them this, but it's, it's very true, and the nuclear submarines is just another step in that same direction. That mm. um, we're just tied into their foreign policy, and we have to to tag along because we can't relying on their them for information, spare parts, and all that sort of requirements for uh, maintaining. And we can't stand independently. Now, one of the things IPAN has been looking at is what could what sort of alternative defence structure could Australia have that we could rely on ourselves? And we've consulted with military people. There's been a book written by Sam Rogerveen recently called The Echidna Strategy, um, an excellent one to read, where he believes we can and should make the break, stand on our own feet, and to be, to be candid, I mean, who would be our enemies anyway? It's all conjured up by the newspapers and the American press, the Western press, that China is somehow a great threat to Australia, and I don't believe that is so. Mm. Um, I believe we, could, we can look after ourselves, and we don't need to have the Americans um, on our doorstep and being tied to what they do. Like, we just voted, and the United Nations refused to support a ceasefire yep. in Gaza yeah, because abstained. we might offend the Americans right. or we might offend the Israelis. What I found, um, what that, yeah, what I found even that, more extraordinary is Papua, there were 14 countries that voted for, we actually abstained, Tonga, Papua New Guinea, the Marshall Islands, Nauru, Micronesia and, and uh, Fiji all voted for the, uh, against the resolution of the 14 countries. Seven were from our area. Just extraordinary. Right, that's, that is extraordinary. Yeah. And I say our, our abstention, I view as being cowardly mm. um, and um, just, uh, what would I say, they don't want to offend neither Zionist Israel or the Americans uh, and so they abstain. That's cowardly as it is cowardly in not trying to free Julian Assange, mm. equally cowardly yeah. um, of our government. Um, I, I mean, I yeah, I won't say any more. All right, tell us about this e-petition. Um, yeah, it's on the IPAN, ipan.org.au. Um, sorry, ipan.org.au is the uh, website. And it's, it calls for the termination of this forced posture agreement. The agreement actually can be terminated by either party giving one year's notice to the other party. And um, it is so insidious, so ties us in to allowing the Americans to occupy our country and prepare the place for war. It's so, it's very, so important that we terminate it. So we're trying to gather signatures for it. And um, if uh, listeners would like to go to the IPAN.org website, um, you'll see the uh, force posture agreement there and you can get on to the e-petition. It's a parliamentary petition. It's open until the 15th of November. Then it's presented to Parliament and the Minister has to answer it and give us an answer in writing. Um, it's just part of... I mean, it's not going to turn the tables. That's going to be a huge effort. And um, it's just part of the way of getting people involved to understand how badly off we are under the, under the Americans 
the moment how much we're tied to them, how we need to break that, um, and that's that's its purpose. It does deliver a message to the government that there are people who want to see that terminated. Um, so we'd be happy if listeners were hooked up the IPAN website and and, uh, and helped to get behind that. Um, now, now, Bevan, you'd be... That's great. Now, Bevan, you'd be 83, 84, wouldn't you? 84, mate, yes. 84. What gives you uh, all this energy at 84? You said you were recently retired. When did you retire? Well, I worked till I was 78 um, right. in teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, Any particular and, um, reason you did an extra uh, 13 years? Um, oh, I felt I could do it, and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed teaching. Like, I, I, I like... Helping to explain things, mm. I get a bit of a kick if I can explain a technical matter to um, to a class of telecommunications trainees and help them to understand or gain the skills for it. I get a bit of a kick out of that. Right. Um, I like explaining and helping to understand things, and um, I enjoy teaching. But um, yeah, I've been retired now five, seven, six years or something. Um, and what came up was this little granddaughter. And so we shifted Newcastle to Sydney to look after her, um, and that's a joy and a responsibility and a privilege, but it does give us time, or gives me time, when I'm not doing that, to be involved with IPAN and and uh, go on the occasional occasional rally mm-hmm. um, and do that sort of thing. We've got a, a naval expo coming up on the 7th of, the, of October, at, uh, November in Darling Harbour, that's... Um, yeah, they, all these companies get together and exhibit their wares, and the navy goes along. We'll buy one of that. Buy one of that. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you? What, what's IPAN going to buy? <laughs> we want to buy peace. You want to buy so, peace? <laughs> we want to buy peace. So, so we'll be there with our placards and everything. So, so, the, so the naval displays like the uh, aircraft display here in Melbourne, yeah, like Ava, the, Avalon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have the Avalon one. They have a a land forces one, an army one in Brisbane, yep. naval one in Sydney, and the air force one in Avalon. And it's all about spending money on on the latest uh, fancy gadget. Um, not that the submarines are a fancy gadget; that's a huge expenditure. And uh, when there's crying need in the community, I mean, we're aware here that rents rents are terrible in Sydney. I don't want to talk in Melbourne. Yeah, just but as my, bad. Just as bad. My daughter. My daughter is a single mum. Mm-hmm. Is paying fifty five percent of her take home pay on rent, yep. and that's just a one bedroom, living space, and a bathroom. Fifty five percent of her take home pay. That's why we're looking after the grandchild three days a week because she couldn't afford the childcare for five days a week. Yes. Um, that that's a big issue: public housing and 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 rental accommodation, um, and this expenditure on. Heavy expenditure on the military. One of the other things that they're spending money on is to equip the frigates with Tomahawk missiles. Tomahawk missiles are used to hit land-based targets, fixed targets. They're no good against moving targets like ships or planes. Now, what land-based targets are we preparing to hit from I know. these frigates I, with I, their Tomahawk missiles? I know, I know. Pine Gap. Don't say it. Don't Pine, say Gap. It. Pine Gap. Pine Gap. <laughs> Well, that's one that might well get hit by a missile. <laughs> well, it's We're definitely. A war in China. All those poor people in North Australia and Central Australia don't seem to understand they are 
these days, Target. modern technology, they are based. If something blows up, they're gone. They're gone That's overnight. Right. That's right. It's That's just right. extraordinary. People don't seem to understand that. They think, oh, there's US troops here. Isn't this wonderful? They're going to save us. The US's history is a history of pulling out when things get tough. The US is only interested exactly. in the US, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As they've done many times before. Yeah. yeah. And um, we're only, in fact, we're only going to be targeted because we've got the American bases here in the first place. So, you know. Yeah. Who'd, um, bother, who'd bother to target us, you know, if the American bases weren't here? Yeah, exactly. That simple. Exactly. Yeah. Now, look, you're 84, you're full of energy. What of advice you've got for us septogenarians and uh, younger listeners out there? Well, actually, I've got a, a, a message for men. This for is, this for is men? Of the left, this is way off the left field, mate. Right. Yeah, all right. So I'm, going to make, I'm going to make use of it. All right. Um, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer um, about eight years ago, mm -hmm. and um, I... I uh, I was able to get rid of it by them removing it in time, and I'm, that's why I'm fit and running around now. Every man who gets to 60 or thereabouts should make sure he gets yearly tests of his PSA, prostate-specific antigen. And when that starts to rise, that's when you have to get maybe attention, some sort of attention to what's gone down there. But we don't talk about these things over the year very much, do we? Or men don't talk about their health problems. But this is important to all men. Don't get caught up with prostate cancer. Get it before it gets you. And make sure you get your annual PSA test, blood test done, and check out with the doctor how you're going. Yeah. And now, I just wanted to say that while I've got the chance of saying it, yeah. um, because I wouldn't be here talking to you if I hadn't had that attention done to yeah, me. Yeah, and people need to understand it's not the old bend over, finger up the rectum anymore. It's just a simple blood test. And if it's but, and if it's beyond two, between two and uh, three, that's when people. Uh, yeah. yeah, mine was three and going yeah, up. But it's, yeah. whether it's rising, that's the important thing. Yeah. If it's moving in the wrong direction, yeah. um, then things are not looking so good, and you need to have some surgical attention or some radiation right. therapy. Yep. In my case, he gave me the option of those things and said that the really sure way of getting rid of this is to take the thing out and throw it away. Yep. I said, well. Let's do that. I don't have, tend to have any more children, so mm, <laughs> take yeah. it out and throw it away. Oh, and so I've yeah. been, able to been able to talk to you on there, and it's been very, very yeah. pleasant having a chat with you. And I, I just hope that there's been some interest in uh, what we've been saying. Yeah, well, Bevan, we've still got a few minutes. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we've still got a few minutes. Now, advice, apart from doing a PSA for blokes. You see, okay. You well, know, general advice for somebody who's listening to this, is relatively young, is interested in life and the world and wants to change things? What's kept you going for so long? Well, I think once you read and learn and listen, not to the mass media and what the politicians are saying, but to the more progressive organisations about what's going on in the world, um, you have to see that, look, things are not going to change unless we do something about it. We've got a cl climate crisis that could engulf future generations, especially young people, um, that's getting more serious by the day, and um, uh, issues of war and peace, which are equally important, particularly the possibility of nuclear exchanges if a war broke out between the US and China, uh, or even in Ukraine. Um, and look, what are you going to do with your life? Um, what, 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 what are we going to do? Uh, sorry, I'll put it another way. Um, 
If you get old like me and look back and say, I didn't do anything about this climate crisis and I feel ashamed now, that's not some place you want to be. Mm. And I felt that in the Vietnam War, that when I looked out and saw what was going on, and Michael said, the strongest political weapon anyone possesses is their own life. I said, look, if I get old, I'm going to be bloody well ashamed of myself if I don't do everything I can in, 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 to stop this, what's going on. And um, that's where... That's where character is made. Um, that's where your true self comes out, and that's where you grow. You grow in in knowledge. You grow in strength. You grow in in determination, and you grow in wisdom. Um, become involved is the key word. Don't sit on the sidelines. Right. Become involved. As I say, tear up your uh, membership card of the Gunner Tribe and somebody should do something about that tribe and become involved. Look, Bevan, it's been a, a great pleasure speaking to you. It's also always a great pleasure speaking to the creator of 3CR and uh, your child is uh, going well and strong and we still have Palestinian programs and we're nearly 50 years old and <laughs> I'd like to thank you for all that energy you've put in, in the very early days to make sure that this unique community radio station in this country continues to uh, broadcast and it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you kelly thank you bevan thank you very much enjoyed it very much thank you CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Did you know that 3CR received its community radio licence in 1976? Our application was successful because of our diverse and engaged community membership. Subscribers are at the heart of our station and we really need you to be active and paid up in 2023. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 
call 03-9419-8377 You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.